G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, as you know, the issue of homelessness in Australia continues to bubble along and oftentimes under the radar, under the surface, and sometimes in many communities it's a little bit like it's an underground activity of people who are homeless, uh, those who are living under bridges, those who are doing what is called couch surfing. Well, wouldn't it be good if there was a model or a plan or a franchise that could help deal with homelessness in your community? Well, we've discovered that there is a homeless ministry that's happening in southeast Queensland called Sheltered by Grace. And it's a bigger vision than just for the local community. In fact, it's a global vision. So let's talk about that vision today. And a special welcome to Jason and Lisa Lokes, who head up Sheltered by Grace. To you, Jason. To you, Lisa. Welcome along. Thank you. Thank you. Jason, let me come to you first of all. When we're talking about homeless people and you're dealing with uh, those who are homeless in southeast Queensland, uh, in the city of Logan, which is renowned for having some difficulties when it comes to socioeconomic status of some people and homelessness is an issue. So many communities around the nation, though, homelessness is a big issue in many, many cities and towns. Absolutely. Um, We'll get people as far as way... um from WA to uh, Cairns, Bundaberg, when we had all the floods recently, um, Kingaroy, all the country areas where there really are no shelters. So they'll put them on a, give them a bus ticket to local community groups, send them our way, hoping we'll have a bed. Um, we regularly turn away 15 to 25 people every day. The ones that really upset me are the crying mums. Well, the issue of homelessness, so many people as part of church life in cities and towns all around the country would wish that they had an opportunity to be able to do something and sometimes feel quite powerless. That sort of feeling of powerlessness is something you've overcome and you guys have put your hand to the wheel and you've said, we're going to be tackling this. How hard is it to get something started like you do? Um, We took eight years to get our first shelter off the ground because we're lobbying government and talking around circles. One of my good friends in Logan took 22 years to get his shelter off off and running. So it's a very slow process at the moment that we need to speed up. When we talk about things like a global vision to be able to end homelessness, let me come to you, Lisa, because Mm. I know that you are so passionate about this. And you've come up with a model that says, well, we can do this in our community. How about we extend this into other communities and beyond our shores? Absolutely. Um, yeah, homelessness impacts so many communities across across the world. Um, and the global vision for us is very much about, you know, God called us to house the world. And we kind of ran for a while and then we got caught up with. Um, what we've developed here in Logan is very much just the start of what we sort of envisage and what we can see happening. Um, and it's very much a self-funding model. So it's based on, you know, um, no government funding um, so that it can be self-perpetuating. Um, it's basically a win-win-win. So for those people who come in 
homeless, there's actually, if they're able to, a transition as well. And we do partner with some other not-for-profits like Fuller Centre for Housing, which also can offer um, a permanent house for people at the end of the day if that's what they want. But it's about um, providing that supported accommodation so people can get back on their feet no matter what the exit strategy might be. So it's about the community coming together and work, really working together, no matter whether it's in Logan or it's you know in other parts of Australia or overseas. Now, let me ask you, Jason, because this word franchise uh, is an interesting one and people who understand the business of franchising recognise it's a very powerful model. Yep. And I don't know that I've ever heard anyone talking about homeless shelters and by way of having a franchise that you can set up. Tell me about this idea that you've got to be able to expand and bring your uh, area of expertise into people's hands where they've not really had that expertise originally. Um, For a long time, myself and my wife have been self-employed in our own businesses. Um, When God told us to house the world, I wasn't a builder, so I had to become a builder so I could figure out how to build something affordably. So we still 13 years ago, we built houses and mining camps out of shipping containers. So one of the world's leaders in that sort of industry that's now starting to take hold. But we soon realized that if you want to end homelessness, you actually have to produce more housing stock than homeless are being produced in any country. And you can't do that if we don't change the laws. And you can't do that um, if we try to do it all ourselves. So the closest way I could come to describing it to anybody else, it's a franchise model, just like McDonald's, that we can train anybody up that's got no skills. So you could just want to house homeless, but you've got no life skills, no training, no nothing. We could train them up in a short period of time and let them be on the coal front of dealing with people with high needs and succeeding with that. So and most important thing is that it's self-duplicating. We take the equity out of that existing shelter and we roll with that and and build another shelter. So we speed the process up so we start producing housing stock quicker than the homeless are being produced in Australia at the moment. What you're saying is people listening to our conversation now, they recognise there's a homeless problem in their community and there is a turnkey capacity to be able to at least understand the problem and know where to go with the solution for a a homeless problem in their community. Absolutely. Lisa, let's come to those people who are homeless. Sometimes people are just uh, down on their luck, uh, out of a job, uh, thrown out of home. Mm. Uh, Other times there's uh, significant mental health issues at work. Absolutely. Uh, A big variety of problems that cause Mm. homelessness. Absolutely. Um, And one thing I'm quite passionate about is saying this could happen to anybody. Um, some people seem to think that, you know, it won't ha- ever happen to them and there's still that idea of nimbyism, not in my backyard, c- couldn't happen to me, you know, they're somehow lesser people. But we've seen, you know, golf pros, businessmen, all sorts of people come through our shelter and really it could happen to anyone, just loss of job, um, an injury, domestic violence obviously is a big one and generally we tend to see a lot of middle-aged white men who've got, you know, lack of uh, divorce, loss of children, potentially then rely too much on uh, recreational drugs or alcohol, and it's just a slippery slope and they find themselves nowhere to go. So the people that come into your shelter, what sort of backgrounds are they coming from? Are they people who are down on their luck and they need somewhere to live, uh, or are there other deeper issues that you're there talking are, about? There are deeper issues, and there's, there's kind of I say there's kind of three types of homeless people. There's that those people who are just down on their luck, might find themselves in the situation and can get back on their feet quite quickly. Then we've got people who have more severe 
um, mental health or physical issues that just need supported accommodation that will never be able to kind of sustain a tenancy or they might have mental health issues. And those people just need somewhere, you know, someone to say, hey, it's time to change your sheets. Hey, come and have dinner. Hey, you know, so they'll always need some sort of supported accommodation. And then there's the third type who kind of are the more longer term, who may have found themselves homeless and may play a little bit on the system as such that. And they're the type that we, you know, we see quite often. Sometimes it's more difficult to transform that or the lives of those types of people. But there are ways that we, we want to work with governments and other other communities to actually impact the lives of those types of people too. Stay with us because I want to ask you what success looks like when you're dealing with the homeless. Uh, does success look like you've helped someone get back? We're talking about homelessness and my guests, Jason and Lisa Lokes. They head a ministry called Sheltered by Grace. It's a ministry for homeless people. It puts a shelter over their heads. Not only that, but Jason and Lisa have a global vision and they have franchises that they have which shares their wisdom and knowledge in working with the homeless that you can pick up on and apply that to your community. Jason, if I ask you about homelessness, uh, the idea of ending homelessness, that is a huge vision. Uh, it reminds me of the Millennial Development Goals, which are all about uh, ending poverty around the world. How do you actually go about the idea of ending homelessness? What does it look like if you were actually able to solve the issue? It looked like we'd have at least 70,000 spare beds every night. So if there was any emergency around Australia or around any different country in the world, There'd always be spare beds. So whether it's a tsunami, whatever it is, there's always beds there to put someone's head on the pillow where they feel safe and secure. So there's no anxiety or depression can sink in because they have a safe place to stay and live for the night. So your vision really comes down to having more beds available for homeless people than there are actually homeless people looking for a bed. Absolutely. Let me talk about the things that have to change in the nation for that sort of vision to come to pass. Uh, what are we talking about? Changing laws, uh, changing the attitudes of people who are in leadership, uh, calling the shots, making decisions, making laws, our political uh, leaders. What has to change to be able to actually facilitate this sort of end to homelessness? To start with, town planning laws have to change because at the moment um, the the only place you're allowed to put shelters in most town planning laws in Queensland and that we've seen in New South Wales is in high-density areas and then you come across nimbyism and then you can spend 8 to 22 years trying to get the shelter over the line for approval. So what we want to do is actually change the laws, allow us to do farm stays, get these men and women out of harm's way from the pubs, from their dealers, from their families, from whatever it is that's causing these issues and help them get healed then we can actually slowly introduce them back to society once we've trained them up and skilled them up on how to deal with those issues. No one could pretend this would be easy. No. Uh, but uh, when you have uh, some consolidated wisdom that you can put into a package and, and let people know what they should expect, yeah. uh, then when they address those issues of homelessness in their community, uh, they're not starting from scratch and uh, and playing around with all of the details and becoming very depressed uh, with the huge nature of the problem. They're actually right. starting ahead of the game. So they'll have a lot of information and knowledge and wisdom and they can call on by us, but giving them skills and teaching them. We also plan on actually giving people hands-on skills in our existing shelter. 
So they get to do night shifts, they get to do day shifts, they get to see what really goes on in this place. Lisa, let me ask you about some of the hard stories that you might have seen over the years. When you mentioned domestic violence, the idea of women who are either forced to leave or of their own volition and for their own safety, they get out of a domestic violence situation. They seek somewhere to go. These are the sorts of people that oftentimes they draw at our heartstrings when we say, well, what can we do to help? But you've seen those sorts of stories. We see those sorts of stories all the time. The issue at the moment with us is that we can only take single people in our accommodation until we expand and then we're going to have the capacity to take children along with um, women. What we found, particularly in Queensland, is there are quite a few domestic violence places that women can go, but there's less available for other demographics of people. So we tend to cater a lot for your single single men and women at the moment, but um, don't get me wrong, in Logan in particular, there's still a huge need for places for um, women and children and also families who are suffering homelessness. And you like to have partnership with the local churches because that gives opportunity for people from the churches to contact people who are in real need. Absolutely. Um, we, as an example, we have one partnership with the church and the ladies there um, do cooking for us uh, once a fortnight. So we have, you know, they get fed very, very well, the people in our shelter, um, nutritious meals and that sort of thing. But there's always opportunities for people to come out and partner with us, um, do activities. Um, we've had some awesome um, sing-alongs and hungies and Christmas festivals and all sorts of things that uh, we've partnered with the local churches to be able to provide. And yeah, absolutely, like you said, if there's people that they know that's in need, we often get calls from people in the local churches to say, have you got a bed? And Jason, a part of your vision uh, where you are in Logan is that you want to have a training facility because a training facility, and really I guess you're talking about life skills, things like cooking and uh, being able to look after yourself well and get back on track so you can be self-supporting. I guess that's part of the vision. Absolutely. Um, Another part of it is giving people basic skills on how to service a car. So uh, if if you've got a car, you've got an 80% better chance of getting a job. So the best thing we could do to somebody that comes in that's homeless but they're living out of their car, and it, you can tell that if you're on the pension, you can't afford to have a car. So the car is very poor in maintenance. We'd love to give them the skills to do basic servicing, but also while we're there, we can actually fix this car up, get it up to proper roadworthy standards. And so they've got a great chance to stand on their own two feet and get a job again because we can help that person within six months turn their whole life around where if they don't have a vehicle – um, they don't have a network supporter of friends. We're talking two or three years. We've got one client for four years now. Tell me about your global vision and how you can take this to the next step because there may be people listening into our conversation now. They're part of communities where there is a homeless problem. They're saying, what can I do? And they're hearing about franchises and what that might benefit in their community. What will people see or what will they hear if they make contact with you? Um, we'd like to set up an interview with them first, show them around what we actually do, give them um, some of the basic core understandings of what we do and how we tackle it because on one part you've got to be very strict with your house rules and, and do look after and care for the rest of the clients. On the other side you've got to show them God's love and that's probably the hardest thing to wrap your head around every day. Financially speaking, there is government money that helps to support what happens in the ministry? Um, we get no government funding whatsoever because if you take government funding, then they control you. So they can tell you who and uh, who you can have and who you can't have. 
uh, in that shelter. You can also have your funding withdrawn at any time. You've got to keep employing people to apply for funding again. So what we're after is to get community groups to stand up and donate the land, get builders and developers alongside and actually start creating these shelters. Once we've got enough of them running around Australia, we can withdraw the equity and build more. And that's really transforming the way banks look at this because banks look at our figures and go, this is easy, this makes sense, but they don't want to commit because they'd never want to be seen for foreclosing on a homeless shelter. Okay, well, uh, it certainly is a grand vision to say you want to do something about the global uh, solution to homelessness and uh, franchising seems to be a interesting way forward and I know that there'll be people listening to our conversation who might like to make contact. I'll give the website. The website for Sheltered by Grace is sbg.org.au. That's sbg.org.au. Jason and Lisa Lokes are leading this franchise and uh, leading the ministry to the homeless sheltered by grace to jason and to lisa thank you so much for being with us today on 2020 thank you appreciate your time thank you very much like what you've just heard there's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au and remember vision is listener supported your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life learn more or donate today at vision.org.au